As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Well, hey, good morning. It's good to see everybody. Have you ever, thank you, have you ever been in one of these uh, scenarios before where you end up in some environment, some location, you're like, how did I get here? Like, how did I get in this place? Uh, a few weeks ago, I, um, I was at a concert. I'm not gonna tell you what concert I was at because you're gonna judge me the whole rest of the sermon if I tell you where I was. But my brother loves this band and so he, he says to me, my dad, and my brother-in-law, I got tickets, we're going to this concert. So we go down to Wrigley Field, we get there. I mean, it's happening, the concert's going. The, uh, the crowd was interesting. Um, how do I say this? There was a lot of extracurricular activity taking place around us at the con- People were having a good time. I mean, they were enjoying the music. They were into it. They were going after it. And it struck me at one moment in this concert. It's late at night. It's outside. It's at Wrigley Field. There is some worship going on at Wrigley Field. Now, hold on, hold on. Before you think, you know, I'm heretical or something like that and you all walk out. These people were worshiping. Worshiping what? I I mean, I'm telling you, there was some of the greatest worship if we define worship as what we put our affection and our emotion and our adoration and our submission to. There was some worship taking place in this concert. So here's a question for today. We're continuing our series, Summer in the Psalms. The question is not, do we worship? Every human being on planet Earth worships. The question is, who and what do we worship? Because God's created us to worship. He's put something inside of us to worship. And so every human being, Christian, non-Christian, believer, non-believer, is worshiping something. The simple question today is, what are we worshiping? Who are we worshiping? And so if you have a Bible, grab it. We're going to Psalm 145. Pastor Ron brought a great message last weekend from Psalm 9 on worship. And we're going to continue in this theme on worship because we're in the Psalms. The Psalms are songs. They're they're these letters, these poems, these songs that were written to God. Let me give us a little definition before we dive into Psalm 145, Romans 12, 1. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, we're to do what? Offer our bodies, it says. Another translation might be offer ourselves, offer our whole selves, our mind, our emotions, our wills, offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. For this is our spiritual act of worship. So Psalm 145, I want to talk about the goodness and I want to talk about the greatness of God. 10 undeniable reasons that we should worship God, the one true God. There's many other reasons that people and society and culture will tell us to worship this or worship that or worship this. I want to look at God's word and say, what are the undeniable reasons that we should worship the living God? Here's the first one. I'm going to call it goodness number one, is that it's God will preserve you. So catch this as we dive in. I'm going to give you 
10. We're going to go fast. So if you're a note taker, write them down, jot them down, put them in the phone. Worshiping the greatness of God, stick with me, is our response to receiving the goodness of God. Let me say it again. Worshiping the greatness of God. Not just what we do here on the platform and what happened over the last half an hour in singing, but how we live our lives. Worshiping the greatness of God is a response to the fact that we can receive the goodness of God. And here's the first goodness that he's gonna preserve you. Now we're gonna go backwards through the text. Anybody do backwards dinner at their house? Anybody know what backwards dinner is? You eat, you eat dessert, then you eat the meal. Know what I'm talking about? Oh, we do like backwards breakfast at our house. We do, bra- backward, we do backwards snack. Do you know what that is? Backwards snack is when you eat the ice cream cone before you eat the fruit snacks. And so, you know, it's, a re- it's good. So we're going backwards. We're going to start at the end because I first want to show you the goodness of God because it's going to inform how we worship his greatness. Verse 19, we're starting at the end. Verse 19 and 20, Psalm 145. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him. Now, maybe another translation of this would be God watches over all who love him. He protects and he watches and he knows and he preserves. God sees you and he knows you. He understands things about you that you don't even understand about yourself. So what he's really saying is, hey, hey, I'm never going to abandon you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to preserve you. I will not let your life perish. When my wife, Sarah, was, she was a little girl and she went to her grandma's, they had blueberry bushes on their land. And her grandma would take a basket and Sarah would grab it and they'd go out and they'd pick these blueberries. And just think with me for a minute, they get back in the house, they set them on the counter. What's going to happen in three days, five days, seven days, 10 days if they just let them sitting out? They're going to spoil. They're going to expire. They're going to be rotten. But actually her grandma would do this, you know, like old, like canning, making, there's literally a thing called preserves, jam, jelly, preserve. And, and through this process, they'd be able to can this and make these blueberry preserves. And what would happen? It would extend the shelf life. It would extend the amount of time that the goodness of these blueberries could be enjoyed. That's what it means when he is preserving us. Here's another goodness that we see. Marching backwards is God's gonna hear from you. Verse 17, we see it in verse 19. It literally says he will hear you. Then we see in verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways. Look at this. Somebody needs to hear this today. He's kind in all of his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. I mean, let's not take this for granted. What we're experiencing here in verses 17 and 18 is it's access. When it says that God is near to you, that he hears you, he's saying, I'm giving you my full access. Now think about the number of times in a given week that you're like, man, I wish I just had a little more access to my boss so I could get some answers to. I wish I had a little more access to my spouse because I've been wanting to have this conversation. I wish my kids had a little less access to me as a parent, but God doesn't do that. Where it might drive me nuts at times, dad, 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 yes. God, when we come to him, he doesn't just welcome it, 
He desires it. Yes, come to me. Bring your burdens to me. I will hear you. I will listen to you. It's an amazing thing that he desires it. Full access. Jeremiah 33.3 says this. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you what? Great and hit. He doesn't just listen. So, okay, tell me your problem. Call to me, I will answer you. I will tell you this, great and hidden things that you have not known. When? When you call to me, you have access. Hey, Steve, I, I don't, I'm not feeling that right now. I don't feel the nearness of God in my life right now. Maybe that's you. But here's what I love about this book and why we study it every single weekend is that feelings are good, emotions are good things. They've been given to you by God. But can I remind you, they are not facts. And sometimes we get in the midst of our feelings of today. This is how I feel today and therefore I'm gonna project that on all things of my life and of God based on my current circumstances. But we open this book and we experience the facts, the knowledge that we need to understand the great and hidden things that he wants to show us. So we're marching through worship. It's we're receiving the goodness. We're responding to his greatness. Here's another goodness. Goodness number three, God will satisfy you. Look at God's going to open up his hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Do you see it in the text? Do you see all this goodness that you can receive from God when we come to him in full submission? This satisfaction is an interesting thing. I mean, isn't it true that satisfaction has been a root desire and a longing of every human being that's walked the planet? No? I don't know anybody that wakes up in the morning and goes, huh, I just hope today when I lay my head back on the pillow, I'm just as dissatisfied as I was yesterday. <laughs> we don't. We're longing for satisfaction. We're looking for it everywhere. Here's the caution. Look what Oswald Chambers says. The great writer, he says, the man or woman who does not know God demands an infinite satisfaction from other human beings, which they cannot give. How true is that? That we're looking for satisfaction in all these other people and all these other relationships and all these other places. And in the case of the man, he becomes tyrannical and cruel. It springs from this one thing, that the human heart must have satisfaction. But there's only one being who can satisfy the last abyss of the human heart, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we think we'd have this figured out by now. All these generations after generations after generations. And what do we do? We, we go in, and I'm guilty of it too, but we, we chase the career and we chase the money and we chase the relationship that we think will change everything. Not bad things, by the way. Money's not bad and your job's not bad and your relationships are bad, but when we chase it for our ultimate satisfaction, it comes up short and God's standing over here going, you know, I got some answers for you. It's my goodness. I'll bring you satisfaction in your life. There's a guy named Bob Buford. Bob was an incredibly successful business guy. By, by all accounts in success and what we would count as success, Bob got it. He got all the money, he got the career, he got the toys, he got what he needed. And he woke up 
And he recognized that I, I got a whole bunch of success and I'm still lacking satisfaction. I'm lacking significance in my life. Bob made a 180. He actually wrote a book called Halftime. And it was about halfway through your life, the shift from success to significance and how he was finding it. He turned it upside down. He took exorbitant amount of money millions of dollars and his time and his passion. And he spent the rest of his life investing in pastors and Christian leaders and building an organization that would serve the church. And he was like, man, let's, what about a halftime? And we go, what do I, what do we want to be known for? And what did he find? He found satisfaction. Here's two more this goodness that we're receiving from God, because just remember, it's going to inform how we worship God. The, our worship is a response to this goodness is that he's going to provide for you. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. Our God is not a God of scarcity. He's not, and don't get me wrong, this is not some prosperity thing and this is not some health and wealth thing, but our God is an abundant God. That, that, that he provides. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't work hard. It doesn't mean that we don't get up in the morning and try to offer something to this world around us and make a contribution in our family and our friends in the workplace, make a contribution at church. It doesn't mean that at all. But it means that God will meet you in your doing to provide for you. Now notice it says in due season. Verse 15 doesn't say, God will give you every possible thing you ever wanted exactly when you wanted it, how you wanted it delivered. He doesn't say that. But he does say he will provide for you. Some of you know my wife, Sarah. She's an artist, a visual artist, and she's a songwriter. She's one of our worship leaders here at High Point. And uh, she used to, this is years ago, and she was doing a lot of songwriting. She used to quote Pablo Picasso to me all the time. And Pablo Picasso says this, inspiration exists, but it always finds you working. Sometimes we think that, you know, these artists, and she really truly is an artist, and you're just, they're just floating around in a land of creativity. And these, these lightning bolts of inspiration come their way. Some of the best artists I know understand this principle. It's the idea that, that inspiration will come, but will find me in my work. I remember sitting down once with one of the most iconic Christian singer-songwriters. Many of the songs we sing here at High Point, he helped write. You would never know his name, he's behind the scenes. And probably in my days of striving a little bit more than I hopefully am now, I asked him, how'd you do it, man? Like, how'd you make it? And he goes, I never quit. That was it. Inspiration finds us working. Let me say it a different way in the context of this worship. God is always providing, but his provision finds you in your worshiping. And see, sometimes that when, when things aren't going right and the things aren't coming the way that we thought they were, then what do we do? We dial back the volume on our worship. When do we dial up the volume on our worship? When everything's going exactly the way that I hope it would go. That's not what the psalmist does. It is difficulty in adversity, and we're going to see that come in just a moment, that God's providing in the midst of our worshiping. 
I love uh, these past two weeks. How about our High Point students? They've been doing some amazing things. They've actually been taking some missions trips around the country and around the world. Some of them are out right now in St. Vincent at High Point St. Vincent. And so let's be praying for them. Last weekend, I was down at High Point Monmouth and our junior hires were there and they were serving all weekend and they're doing amazing things. And it struck me that that, that's what our students are doing right now. Sometimes what we do is we go, okay, this is not bad, just hear me, but we just kind of sit alone with God and we sit on the edge of our bed and okay, God, and what? I don't know what to do with my life and I don't know what your will is for my life. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What are our junior hires and high schoolers doing right now? They're like, I don't know what God's gonna do, but I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna try to add some value. I'm gonna work. I'm gonna try to serve other people and love them well. I'm gonna try to put on some camps for some kids that need to hear about Jesus. And I'm gonna go, and what is God going to do? I guarantee you, because we'll hear the stories when they get back. He's gonna provide some amazing things. He's gonna provide some new ways of looking at the world and provide some hope and He's gonna do what God does. He meets us in the midst of our worship. Here's one more, God's gonna carry you. The Lord upholds all who are falling and he raises up all who are bowed down. Remember that volume thing I'm talking about? That we have a tendency to turn down the volume on our worship when, when we're, what, bowed down? When we're experiencing adversity and challenge and struggle and... You see, it's counterintuitive, but it's just the opposite. What the psalmist often does over and over and over and over again, in his greatest times of difficulty, he offers the greatest amount of worship as he's looking to meet a God of provision, a God of abounding love, a God who preserves him, a God who hears him, a God who satisfies him. Would anybody agree with me that if we had a God that did all those things, that's a pretty good God worth worshiping. Okay. Would anybody agree with me if there was a God that did all these things to provide for you, to preserve you, to hear you, to satisfy you, to protect you, to carry you, that that would be a pretty good God to worship, would it not? And the good news is we have that God. And his name's Jesus. And his goodness is fully, fully available to you. So let me pause and ask a question. What's the first priority in your life? Like what gets first place? What gets top shelf? It's kind of sobering when you look at it sometimes. <laughs> Man, that's not exactly what I hoped was first place, but it's snuck in there again and I thought it was God for a really long time and I got distracted by some things. Here's some things, not an exhaustive list, but they, they tend to have a tendency that we can worship these things over worshiping God. Hear me again, not all bad things. Some not the best things. It could even be our family, our kids, our job. How about our status or money, habits that have us trapped or relationships or sex, or here's a big one in our day and age, our identity and fame, power, control. Maybe it's your past and, and you're worshiping the heyday. And man, those were the days. I don't know that God's going to do anything with this next part of my life, but man, those were the glory days. 
What, what about your future? And we end up worshiping our future in this picture of what we want to build for ourselves. Again, maybe not bad things, but it becomes bad when it takes first place, first priority over God in our worship. Amen? So I want to do something a little unique. We rarely in our life have times of pure silence. We have some greatnesses we're gonna look at for the last few minutes, but before we do that, I actually want us to take some time in silence with God right now. Just, just a few moments. And if you have your message notes that you got, grab those, or if you have your phone, you might wanna jot a few things down because I'm gonna put some questions on the screen. The band's not gonna come and play. And if you're watching online right now, the audio feed did not cut out. But I want you to write down, don't overthink them, a little bit of a spiritual autopsy, these questions. Where do I spend my time? Where do I spend my money? Where do I spend my energy? Where do I get my joy from? And what's always on my mind? We're only taking two, three minutes, but look at these questions and this is going to give us a spiritual autopsy of what we worship most. God, I think for most of us in this room, our desire, our, our genuine heart is that we worship you above any other thing in our life, Lord. And so would you forgive us, God? Would you forgive me, Lord? Because often my, my actions and my attitude don't align with my motivation to place you first. For some of us, Lord, two minutes of just sitting in your presence in silence, Lord, is longer than we've spent in your presence in a long time. Would you forgive us, Lord? Because we receive so much of your goodness.
would you tune our hearts to sing your praise, Lord? Amen. Here's what Tim Keller has to say about this. Now we're getting into the greatnesses of God. Tim Keller passed away recently, an icon of the faith and a pastor. He says, an idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God and anything that you seek to give you what only he can give. So this worship, we're talking about the greatness of God is our response to receiving the goodness of God. We'll go fast. Here's the five greatnesses we see in the text. We're marching backwards through Psalm 145. Here's verse 13. It's that his kingdom is enduring. I mean, here's a reason to worship the greatness of God. Your dominion endures throughout all generations. There's no bait and switch with God. There's no, I told you one thing and I would be this kind of God and I would be here for you and give you all these goodnesses and you wake up one day and you go, Oh, well, he's a different God now, today. Well, his kingdom functions a little differently now and it's a bait and switch. No, his kingdom endures forever. It means this, it means that it's trustworthy. It's enduring. You're sitting here because a generation and then a generation before and a generation before and a generation before tracing back to the real life of Jesus who walked this earth, people have been proclaiming and worshiping the God whose dominion endures. Here's another one. His power is moving. And all your works, it says, shall give thanks to you, O Lord. And all your saints, that's you and me, shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and what? Tell of your power. That's why we worship him because our God has power. Think about it this way with me. Sometimes we think, man, I just want more of God's power to come into my life. God, would you come towards me and bring me more of your power? Not a bad prayer, nothing wrong with that, but what if we thought about it differently? What if we thought about it as you and me have an opportunity to step into the power of God and where he's working? We talked about our students going out and doing these, they're stepping into where God is moving. Last weekend, we celebrated 60 kids made a first time of decision of faith at Summerfest. I think God's power was moving among our kids the other week. Amen? In our care centers where hundreds of people are being impacted every week. And God, where's your power? Where's your power? Where's your power? I think there's some over there. What if that's a great place to go serve? Man, it seems like God's doing something in the student ministry. Maybe I should go over there where I see some of God's power and step into it and Some of us had an opportunity to get on board with this thing called Limitless. It's been a two-year journey of generosity together and you just didn't get on board. Oh no, Steve's talking about money. Yeah, I am. Because we're talking about worship. Therefore, brothers and sisters, offer yourselves, offer your bodies, what? As living sacrifices, offer your whole self to him, including our resources, including our... What if we took our resources and and instead of holding them on to ourselves, we go, God, this money is from you anyway. And so I'm going to invest it into some things where I see your power at work. Look how Henry Blackaby says it. He says it like this. Watch to see where God is working and then join him in his work. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, God, would you come over here and join this work that I'm doing? There's nothing implicitly wrong. 
But how much more powerful to say, God's moving there and God's power's there and, and God's on fire there and I'm gonna step into that where God is working. See, you and I, we're just like, we're just like sailboats. Think about how a sailboat is powered. Well, it's powered by the wind is how a sailboat is powered. And sometimes we're sitting around and, and we're wondering why we're not moving and, and why we're not getting anywhere and why we're not taking ground and maybe why are we even drifting backwards and we go, hey, you haven't hoisted the sail. Your job is to hoist the sail of your life in worship and watch for the wind of God to blow you in the direction that he's moving. That's the greatness of God in our worship. Three more is love is steadfast. It's a great thing about God that he's abounding in steadfast love. Well, show me where. Where do I experience that love? Well, you experience that love on the cross. It's a thing called the gospel. Uh, that Jesus would come to earth, that he would live among us perfectly. And by the way, fully man, fully God, meaning in his humanity, he had the same temptations that you had. He has the same anxiety that you had. God had anxiety. Jesus on earth had anxiety. Well, he sweat blood in the garden. That he experienced the same difficulties you did. That he died for you, that he exchanged, we call it the great exchange. All of your sin, all the things you wish that you could take back. And he exchanged it and he goes, I'll give you my righteousness. I'll take your sin upon me. I will die for you. I will rise again. I will leave my Holy Spirit to comfort you and leave you his steadfast love. It's abounding. Do you see the theme today? How much are we stepping into the power and the love of God versus sitting back and, I mean, wondering what's going to happen with my life and where am I going? No, 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 no. That we are going to step into the things of God. We are going to take action. And we're going to worship him in the process. Another greatness is that his goodness is abundant. It says that they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness. Sing aloud of your righteousness. Okay, Steve, I get it. Kind of ready to wrap this message up. Hang tight. There are many in this room, there are many online right now that you're like, I, if you had any idea what's going on in my life right now, to call that the abundant goodness of God, I am not feeling the abundant goodness of God. I am not right now experiencing the abundant goodness of God. If you listen to nothing else of this message, listen to this as we close in just a moment. I'm gonna say this with love, but in many ways, that's the most Americanized way that we can think about God and our relationship with him. That when we go, when my individual circumstance in this moment is going to dictate the amount of surrender and worship that I will give to my God. It's starting with me and it's starting with my feelings, but here's what David did. Don't miss it. In David's lowest moments, in moments when David felt like he was going to die, 
he always turned and he still worshiped God. We have an entire book in the Bible called Lamentations. <laughs> it's about lament. We have psalm after psalm after psalm that have been written of David and the other psalmists and some we don't know who wrote them that are crying out to God in their pain and in their difficulty. And if we're not careful, we have a tendency to draw away from God in our pain and difficulty. If that's you, write down these psalms. Because I want you to, before you go to bed or right when you wake up this week, read through these psalms. Psalm 10, jot them down. Psalm 13. Psalm 17. Psalm 31. Psalm 43. Psalm 102. And let me show you in Psalm 102 what I'm talking about. Look at where David is at. And you're going to see something profound in how he worships God. Ready? For I eat ashes like bread and mingle tears with my drink because of your indignation and anger. And you have taken me up and thrown me down. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. Think David's having a good day? Are these things true of God? No. Is this how David felt about God? Yeah. David was in a place of just uh, my ashes and my tears and... I mean, think about if we... So these are songs. Do you imagine us singing this? Together, you know? For I eat ashes as my food, God. I mingle my drink within my tears. But, but, but David knew how to worship. And here's what you're looking for. In the ancient Hebrew, it's a thing called the Vav. V-A-V. Really, really fancy word in another language that means this. But... In all of his difficulty and all of his pain and all of his emotion and all of anxiety, but you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You remembered me throughout all generations, Lord. And so David is here worshiping, going, God, I feel like I'm withering away like a piece of grass. I have nothing left in me. But... But I remember again that you're the one that endures forever. I remember again that regardless of my circumstances and these feelings that are very real right now, and these emotions that are running through my mind and through my soul, Lord, that you have endured for generation after generation after generation. This is how we worship. And then he ends, verse four, that his acts are mighty. And we worship him because regardless of our circumstances, we can declare his mighty acts for all generations, his wondrous works and his awesome deeds. And I just want to implore you today that even in your time of difficulty, even in your time of need, that we look back and we go, we have a God all throughout this book 
that never failed. He showed up and he showed up and he showed up. And so we choose to worship him because worshiping the greatness of our God is our response to receiving all the goodness of God. My simple hope for us today is that you would receive his goodness. And in return, you would respond with worshiping his greatness. So let's stand together. And as we sing this song, I just want to encourage us. What have I put first place in my life? Where do I put my time and where do I put my energy and where do I put my money and what consumes my mind? And for us to contrast that with who God is and how he's shown up for you and how he's moving and how he has moved for generation after generation after generation. Let's sing this together.